What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Welcome, everybody, back. Welcome. To the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Yeah. We're here. We're recording a couple of days later than we normally do. Not that that matters to you listening. Yeah, they're going to be like, damn, this isn't a Monday. (laughs) I can feel it. It's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. guys. Jerry's been moving. Um, Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Um, yeah, but first I wanted to tell you about our sponsors, and as always, Green Camel Press is one of our sponsors, our presenting sponsor, and Green Camel Press. I just finished a stop motion music video for a guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I, haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't put it out there yet, but I'm really excited to I do the finishing touches, and I'm working on some of the titles and and lettering and stuff like that, but. If you're interested in um, helping to promote this podcast, I would suggest you go check out greencamelpress.com. Check out our videos. Maybe get yourself a digital doodle. Get yourself a t-shirt. It all helps us continue doing the things that we love to do and that you love listening to. Right. Um, We also have the Gluten Is Not Your Problem podcast, which Mm -hmm. is uh, funny stories from Walter's strange and sordid childhood adulthood and beyond um we did this last one we talked about restaurant trends that need to end i don't know if anybody out there has ever seen you go there and you get a lime or a lemon and it's kind of brown and old and nobody can seem to chop fresh fruit these days why is everybody keeping shrimp tails on their shrimp like if you're getting like a shrimp scampi in the noodles right and then yeah. you gotta get through the fucking who wants the who wants the, uh, the the tail? Why do I have to put my finger into a pasta dish? This is yeah, this is Walter's shit right here. Yeah. So, Why are these limes brown? He's like a little Andy Rooney dude. Like, and yes. that's a throwback. If you know that, then you are of our age group or older. He is the Andy Rooney Why? of podcasts. Yes, he really Why? is. Why is why do these shrimp have tails? Why? Why, so, John? Why? Yeah, pretty it's much. useless. It's useless. So we talk a lot about different food stuff and, and just uh, ramble and rant, and it's a lot of fun. I'm impressed um, that he's stuck with it for so long. I mean, yeah. eventually you think at this point, he's like, why are we doing this podcast? Why? <laughs> That'll be our next episode. Why? <laughs> no, he's got more stuff. He was telling me, he's like, I want to talk That's about my, my family's road trip to the Grand Canyon. Holy shit. Um, and Dude. about how his, how his, something about how his uncle pulled a knife on him one time. I don't know. He didn't tell me the whole story, but apparently mm-hmm. these things happened. And it's like he's got oh, yeah. all of these fascinating stories. And it's like, what? Your uncle pulled a knife on you. I was like, just save it. Mold, mold. I want the fresh take. The fresh take. In front of the microphone. Yeah. Of the microphone. And um, lastly, 
I just started another podcast for our, I don't know, P is for podcast network or, or I don't know what we're calling Whatever. it, but that's yeah. good. Uh, with my girlfriend called Rashida and John. It's on Spotify right now. And it chronicles our current, not just weight loss, but like our struggles with healthy living and eating and exercise. And the, I mean, cause I've, you've known me for 20 plus years and yeah. seen me at, you have seen me at 300 pounds in like yeah. 99, 2000. And I see pictures and I'm just like, I can't believe it, you know, at this point. Yeah. But, but I've always been, dude? yeah, I've been hovering at 250, 270. And, you know, so her and I both have very different ways of not only are we an interracial couple, but we have very different ways of um, uh, going about it. And just wanted to kind of talk about the during process. There's always the before and the after mm. picture. And so I think our, our, well, our first episode is called the during picture. And it's yeah. kind of that idea about, well, there's so much in between that nobody ever talks about. And I think it's really the important little minutiae that get us there every single day rather than just look at me. I used to be like this a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if somebody met you today, they wouldn't know like the, some of those pictures you put on Instagram. Yeah. The one with the douchebag uh, lamp shade. Dude. That I was remember a, that. Yeah, that was at the the, the Dirty 30 house, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so go check out that podcast, Rashida and John. Go check out the yeah. podcast, Gluten Is Not Your Problem, if you want some laughs. Um, and go to greencamelpress.com. Um, and Dude, I also, what? Whenever, whenever, whenever you say that you and, you've only mentioned a couple of times, whenever you say you and Rashida are an interracial couple, I always think you're like a couple that's interracing. <laughs> Like you're like a couple that runs. I just it's been that was sitting in my brain and I needed to get racing. that shit out. Yeah, I was we just did, like, you know, it's me funny. and my old lady like to run. We did do we're, a little we're interracial. We're interracial. Well, you know, and it's funny too. I was joking the other day because we talked about like because we don't live together, and no. I said, I said, well, we may be interracial, but we're not interspatial. <laughs> right. That's, that's that's just some dude right now is driving in his car like what the fuck yeah, like on friday when this comes out right he's gonna be like on his commute what the fuck what are you guys talking about these guys are dumb so um any of those things we would greatly appreciate you checking out i want to also before we get into the meat of it we had a meat. Uh, i want to do a little listener mailbag yeah um, do it to it so I like this is from I just got this last week a couple days ago um, from from Tyler in Texas and he says hey yeah uh, I just wanted to say I'm a big fan of the show and have listened to every episode you guys have released to date I've thanks. been sober almost nine months now thanks to my program and your podcast your stories and interviews continue to give inspiration I was wondering what other podcasts you guys listen to and recommend, recovery-related or otherwise. Hmm. Um, and he says, thank you, Tyler, in Texas. Oh, and then I forgot, Jerry, you'll love this. He ends it with a quote. It says, you do you, and I'll do me. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that from someone else. Though. Which is your quote from, uh, yeah. from, the, from the little chicken bumper. Hey, you um, do you, and I'll do me. So I, th I would say um, recovery podcasts that are good, I think that we both agree, um, would be Sobercast is good if you yeah. just want to uh, – AA Speaker Meetings. AA Speaker That's Sobercast. Meetings. Yeah, they're good though. There's some really good ones on mm -hmm. there. Um, 
I think the Rich Roll podcast for me, he has really great guests that are not just about, he does a lot of health and wellness, um, but he talks a great deal about sobriety. And in fact, the one that's out right now uh, deals around sobriety and alcoholism. Yeah. We just started it. Um, what other podcasts do I listen to? I do. To? Uh, this Naked Mind is really good. Mm -hmm. This Naked and Mind, Annie Grace, she wrote a book by the same name and her podcasts are super quick. So if you're looking for something 10, 15 minutes and she'll usually get a letter from somebody and answer that letter. <clears throat> so that's always a good one. Um, any other ones related to, I have, I, there's one I listen to every once in a while called recovered mm, recovered podcast, but I also believe those are speaker meetings too. Mm. Excuse me. <laughs> that, that, just cut that. Okay. Or leave it in. That's part <laughs> of the podcast. I've been drinking Diet Coke all day. Um, I listen but to... as far as recovery else? ones, that's all I really... There's this Sacred Mind, Sobercast, and the, the recovered one. Yeah. Um, Russell Brand is another good one. He's got yeah, new skin. He yeah. does some pretty heady interviews with, you know, astrophysicists. He did one or just... He did one with David Lynch, which was very strange about transcendental really? meditation. Wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. and then I listen to like 20,000 Hertz. I listen to 99% invisible. So about sound design and about design. Um, oh, I listen, I, those are awesome. Those are really, really fun. Um, I listened to one called the end of the world with Josh Clark, which is really cool about, um, the end of the world and, you know, robots and aliens and space stuff. And so there's, there's, there's a few, um, yeah. Oh, another recovery one that's cool is called Radio Rehab with Dana uh, Dana Keys, and we I interviewed her oh, for yeah, this you one. So her. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna subscribe to that one, right? Yeah. Well, when we're done with this, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I forgot about that one. Um, Damn, way to drop the ball, dude! You gotta right. edit that one in first. Let's <laughs> cut out that cherry coke burp. Mm-hmm. So there's a few. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you, Tyler. Yeah. Um, I listened to uh, the Dollop is good mm -hmm. that's a history podcast uh the daily zeitgeist is one i've been listening to lately that's really good pod save america that's mm -hmm. a political one uh hold on i've got a couple more let me do this yeah uh case files a true crime one to listen to last podcast on the left is probably one of my favorites i listen to that one like consistently all the time that's a true crime it's kind of they're kind of gross but i love it mm -hmm. and uh it's oh have you ever heard of the album club yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a music one. But yeah, that's pretty much how I roll. And Books Closed, there's a tattoo podcast I listen to called Books Closed. Okay. That I try not to listen to too much because listening to tattooing when I'm not tattooing is like... <laughs> like going I, to work? Yeah, especially when you've been working for 20 years. You're like, okay, yeah, cool. Oh, and then um, the Mental Illness Happy Hour is another good one. Oh, that's... um, Who it's is that? It's a comedian, that? and I don't remember his name. Um, yeah. He, his name's Paul Gilmartin. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yes. So he's a very interesting, sort of weird and funny and serious and inquisitive dude, and so I like his stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also wanted to say that we have one new patri patron, patron on Patreon yeah, by the name ding, of Jordan. Ding, ding. So What's up, I just, Jordan? So ding, I just ding, wanted ding, to say ding, thank ding. you very much for that. We appreciate it grateful happy thank you guys every little bit counts um hell yeah you're dope jordan you're dope you're the dopest in the dopest. Hi 80s hip-hop way like new jack city mm -hmm. 
Yep. If anybody knows about that, then you probably yeah, know about King Andy of New York Rooney. with Christopher Walken. <laughs> mm. it's just Andy Rooney and Chris Walken in King of New York. Mm. That's gonna be our new uh, two man play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, as long as I get to do Walken, you can do Walken. I'll be Andy Rooney. Yeah. What's up All with right. these shrimp tails? What's up with these shrimp? I'm just like oh. Um, so getting to the meat of this meat. recovery sandwich, big stack right. of pastrami. Um. I wanted to say that I wanted to talk about unpacking. You is for unpacking yeah, your unpacking. issues. Mm-hmm. And I feel like quitting drinking is, well, I was reading This Naked Mind this morning. And right. one of the things I love about it is is that she just lays out, like, here's the bad things about alcohol. Why, if we look at it in a different way, you start to realize this has no, it has no bearing or has no helpful purpose in my life what i haven't gotten from that book and i love it and i'm enjoying it and i'm reading it but also coming from a 12-step program what i haven't gotten in that book and this is just for me is Mm -hmm. there's no steps about what to do after you've quit at least not yet there might be i'm i'm like two-thirds through the book and i feel like figuring out those things is just as important as getting sober, as getting yes, um, getting dry, right? Uh, because as a young man, as a child, I was not taught a lot of things as far as how to be an adult. I was not taught. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. My dad was the kind of guy who he didn't really he didn't have a checking account, so he would get a paycheck and he would go to mm-hmm. the bank and he would cash it. And to pay yeah. his bills, he would get um, like cashier's checks at the oh, bank yeah. mm-hmm. because writing a check on money in the bank was not feasible for him. Um, you know, and and so and I can't even imagine that nowadays. But I used to do that too. And so you learn these ways of like, well, I'm just going to get the money here. I'm going to pay the check, and maybe that works for some people. But I yeah. know now that. Well, I'm just going to have money in the bank, and I'm only going to write the checks that I know I have money for. And and even now, I pay most of my bills online, but it's just these weird little things that growing up you think are normal, and then you come to find out it was because he couldn't manage money well. Yeah. And so not that there's anything about money management in any of the literature that no that, not that nec- I, none at all none at all no no they're not like here's how you balance your checkbook here's <laughs> how you pay your taxes rummy there were, there were a yeah. lot of things like how to treat people and how to talk to people and and things i never got and so mm-hmm. for me in my program it was like there was all these 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 not rules but these tools to use to figure out how to um how to live and so I didn't right. get that from this naked mind necessarily and not yet. But it just occurred to me that that's something that I need. And I feel like part of one of those tools is trying to understand yourself, your issues, and to literally take an issue that you have, figure it out, and then um, resolve it, whether that's through forgiveness or therapy or um, whatever it takes. I think mm-hmm. about the things that I have now. I have those. I have the tools to do that. I can go. Oh, I don't feel really good about this. I'm. I am resentful toward this person. Okay. Well, what is that? 
what is that person attacking in you? Oh, well, it's attacking my security or my boss is right. threatening to fire yeah. me. And, and so you begin to understand the, the ways in which you can be a normal, quote unquote, healthy person on a daily, regular basis, which right. I never got. And I was never even able to fathom those things when I was drinking. I mean, right. you just spent the last few days, and I, I wanted to say unpack because you're in the middle of a huge move. Right. You just it's, moved an it's entire like house. a little clever play on words <laughs> there, right? Yeah. And and this this occurred to me because you put something up on your Instagram, and you said, I, "Now I have to go move a bunch of stuff I should throw away." Yeah. <laughs> And Which was literal. It was a literal thing, and you took the deeper meaning out of it. That's what I God did. damn, you're so fucking Freudian, dude. <laughs> so what are some of the things in sobriety? We don't need to talk about the boxes in your house necessarily. Yeah, no, but... they're all so full of shit. There's so much shit, but yeah. But in sobriety, those things that you – they talk about getting rid of old ideas. Right. Yes, what? the old ideas, right. So that's what I imagined are the things that I should have thrown away or that yeah. in that in that analogy. What yeah. are some of the old ideas or issues that you had? I mean, anger I think was one of yours. Um Yes. Rage. Yeah, I'm still angry though, well, and I still get moments of rage, but that's okay though. That's part of being a human being. Right. Yeah, and you can't just discard all of that. It's funny you ask, John. <laughs> um it's you know what? The, and it may seem like a weird answer, but I've had these like realizations lately, mm-hmm. which are really funny. Like, just occurred to me within the past few weeks, especially during this process of moving. My wife always, you know, because I've been real stressed and I've been taking kind of taking it out on her. And uh, I'm not trying to. It's just nor it's my normal fallback. My default position is to like push it all out, you know. And she keeps telling. She's very forgiving, and she's always like, well. You know, Jerry, this is a really stressful time. This is just as stressful as getting divorced. It's on that list, you know. It It's pretty far down on the list, you know, as far as there's a name of the list of all these stressors in life, the biggest stressors, but it's on there, and moving's one of them. And uh, I've been thinking about a lot of that shit lately. And I, I feel like during my drinking and even up until, uh, I don't know, just recently until I realized it, I used to think that, the world was against me and i know you know me really well so it was always like you know fuck the world kind of like oh, i'm gonna punch the world in the face i'm mean, how many poems that i write where i was like i'm gonna punch the world in the face you know i'm pretty and, sure you had a hat where you peeled the brim up and you had written uh-huh. the thing uh ftw right which Long. is that classic tattoo shit mm-hmm. you know but yeah but yeah that, and it's not for the win it's fuck the world son and uh i always felt like everything was conspiring against me like i was this like little juicy little chewy little nougat center of the universe and everything was all working just to work against me like i was that important you know that everything Mm -hmm. everything worked to impede my progress as a person you know and i had to really take myself out of that that ego and that once again that goes into that like inventory process you know it kind of checks your ego because a lot of it is all fear-based and shit. I mean, a lot of mine was like really fear-based and a lot of like comparative kind of jealousy shit. But that's, I think I got rid of that. I've been getting rid of that idea. And there were, I mean, there's other things too, you know, I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I didn't learn a lot as a kid, you know, my old man wasn't around. He was always working. He was either drunk or working. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was like 17 
when I was born. She didn't know anything herself, so she couldn't. She could only teach me what she learned, which she was from a family of alcoholics. So all they taught her was bull. You know, was the survival tactics. That was it. Base survival. That was it. Just survival and anger. You know. So that's kind of how we grew up. And uh, I think when I am in situations where I just don't have to merely survive, I feel really uncomfortable. You know, like you go to a nice hotel and I'm like, I don't fucking belong here. Like I shouldn't be in here. I'm, we're going to get in trouble. I, I shouldn't be in this car. This car is way too nice. Mm-hmm. I should be just surviving because that's all I deserve. I mean, that's another thing I had to deal with and unpack. I had another one, and I, I, I completely spaced it. It'll probably come right in the middle of you talking. And I'll just Self-worth you, but is, is, is huge. It's a huge one, right? Yeah, so that is a huge one. You know what it was? Here's, here's the mm-hmm. other thing I've come to the realization of lately, too, and I was talking to a, a really close friend about a person we both know who, you know, I mean, I'm not here to diagnose anyone, but this person drinks alcoholically. And to me as an outsider, and once again, it's not for me to diagnose anyone. I'm not saying anyone's anything. I just say, well, this person has a problem with it. You know, it's affecting their life in a negative way, but it's obviously not negative enough for them to want to make a change. And this person was telling me, well, I just would love to figure out why, why this person drinks. Why? 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 You know, why did you drink? And I like literally was like, because I was awake. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because I was awake and that was what I did. It yeah. wasn't about like, oh man, it was. I lost all my money, or my wife's leaving me, or my daughter won't talk to me, or my fucking parents fucked me up, or I got bullied every day, or do you know what I'm saying? I was just awake, man. So I, it could be a beautiful fucking day and the man's time to drink. It's gorgeous out. Let's go outside and pound fucking forties, you know. Or it mm-hmm. could be a shitty fucking day, and I'd be fighting with my ex girlfriend. I'd be like. Let's drink whiskey, you know, so it was just being awake. And uh, I've realized that recently too, you know, that I can sit here and tell you all about the psychology of it, but we all have psychology. We've all been fucked up. I haven't met anybody who hasn't been hurt badly enough that they carried around, you know. And and when I do meet that person that day, I'm going to capture them and fucking (laughs) figure out where their magic comes from, you know. There's no, there's no, there's no linear cause and effect for me. Word. You know, yes. and I, what I'm hearing from you is that yes. idea of, well, if I do this, then I'll drink. If I, you know, if this is happening, because it, it was always the, it, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't an, it wasn't something that happened because of something else. It was the thing that was going to happen regardless. So finding something to justify it was yes. always what right. I was seeking. So mm-hmm. I was going to drink anyway. So, yeah. Whether good, bad, neutral, whatever, I need to find something to justify it. Pressing that button, yeah. That that's that's got to be difficult for somebody who doesn't understand it, you know. Well, yeah, because I think we watch a lot of movies and we read a lot of books, and there's always a reason. There's always a reason, you know. Like Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon is all fucked up because his wife got drowned by South Africans or whatever. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, there's always a reason, and sometimes. It's, there is no reason. It just is. Like I just was conscious and I knew that at some point I was going to drink because I was just awake and that's what I did. You know, I wasn't thinking it consciously then. I mean, in hindsight. So that was another thing I think I unpacked. I mean, a lot of the negative shit I unpacked and I, some of it I haven't thrown away yet. Maybe I'm just holding it. Sometimes I feel like I'm just walking around holding my hand, getting ready to toss it, but I can't find a garbage can. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're at a wedding holding the plate for mm-hmm. hors d'oeuvres and you just... They didn't have garbage cans. So you just walk around holding a stupid plate, 
with all the shrimp tails on it. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm looking for a place to put it maybe because it's mm-hmm. rude to just drop it on the ground. So I so some of these things I hold on to, not because they're precious, but just because I don't know where to put them yet, you know? And some things I do hold on to because they're precious. Like the anger is a weird one, man, because the anger is always giving me power and I need to sit down with a therapist one day and be um... like, why do I hold this power? It's not, it's useless power beating someone's face in is a useless power to have it's a shitty superpower dude right just i just beat someone's face in, and in, in books and movies of course once again you win the day you punch the bully in the face and everyone cheers and the pretty girl kisses you and but in real life you punch the bully in the face and let's say you knock him out he's gonna wake up eventually and kick your fucking head in do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they never like uh, you know you won this time no it's like oh you're walking home from school alone good i'm gonna break your fucking arm you know i know because i've it's happened no one <laughs> broke my arm but you know i've gotten jumped for doing shit yeah. you know and well, so i i think the rage is useless it's i th- it's sometimes it may be helpful but it's just very rarely know. do you rarely are you, able, are you able to control it and harness it in a way that is ultimately constructive and positive right like just anger paint like just paint dance just in my garage just painting and dancing out of anger i think if i had to like defend my family i would then i would grab those resources of rage those stores of rage and you know go ham on somebody but hey nah, man it's just you know do you think hey guys if we um if i put up a patreon goal do you think we can raise some money to see if we can get jerry to do the uh, angry paint dance i'll do it man (laughs) i will too and it'll be to something weird too It'd be weird. Uh, It'll be the same one that uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Bacon f- was fight dancing to in Footloose. Yes, I think it was like I need a hero or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Get I, that get that Patreon funders together. It'll get weird, man. The rage, the rage paint, rage paint. <clears throat> um, so so self worth. We talk about anger, and you 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 don't want to you don't want to let go, and we know that anger. Oftentimes, if not always, for me, is stemmed in some sort of fear. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of something, mm-hmm. so I lash out in anger. And I don't know if you find you you're you're afraid if you'll that you'll lose control. And I think so, so. Yeah. You know what's really funny, and, I, and now that you bring it up, and I hear you talk about anger. In all the years I drank with you, I would never call you an angry drunk. I, it was very rare that you got, and when you did get angry, it was like scary. We couldn't. It was scary, but it was also funny because we couldn't tell if you were really angry or not. Like we're like, is he being sincere? Or is this part of the act? Oh, he just kicked that windshield in. I think he's being very sincere right now. You know, whereas I always defaulted to that curmudgeonly being put out kind of low lying yeah. seething. It was always kind of there, and so I always wondered. No, you know, I mean like I. What your superpower was, I guess your hidden horrible super. Your I was Dr. either Jeff sad or extremely yeah. happy. Yes, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Very rarely was I was I angry. I mean, there yeah, was, rarely. And I, I saved that. Even in the even in the darkest alone times, it was mostly sad. Um, yeah. But I just try to think about it as something. I'm afraid of something, and what am I afraid of? And if it's if it's control and. You know, it's easy for us to say, well, control's an illusion and you just got to let go. And 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 mm-hmm. trying to find that mm-hmm. that moment or that way of saying because you have to it's repetition as well. All of this stuff that I have learned, I do it every single day, all the time. And then finally it clicks and you go, oh, OK, that's how you live life. Not, right. Well, here are the tools and then I do it and then everything's cured. 
It's almost like we're wired to do the easy thing. It is like yeah, we're wired we to are. do it. And we get the result from doing the easy thing. And the easy thing is if we do it enough, we get the result enough, then, oh, that's my fallback. That's my default. Mm-hmm. You know. But then sometimes the better thing, the thing that makes you feel healthier and happier is the harder thing. And mm-hmm. I feel like once you start dinging on those positive aspects of it, like, oh, I did this correctly and I got a positive result from it, you need to like really try your hardest to hold on to that. Because it is really easy to hold on to the negative shit. It is super easy. It I is. mean, how many reviews we go through or Yelp reviews I'd go through for the tattoo shop or maybe even the podcast and people are like, well this guy was rude or these two guys talk about the same thing over and over again and that's the one you don't remember it's hard you know what i mean with tattooing it's harder actually in the recovery aspect of my life it's a lot easier for me to think of the positive things that's the one aspect of my life where the positive things actually shine brighter than the negative things Mm -hmm. you tell me about those emails you get or you text them to me and like that makes my day like and i think i actually pull back on that like when i'm having a hard time with my recovery or just dealing with life in general, I do, I think about that shit. I'm like, well, you helped somebody. Somebody felt helped by me. And so that makes me feel like good. And maybe it feeds my ego too. You know, like I'm like, oh, I'm such an altruistic badass. You know, look at me. I'm all fucking Jeff Bezos mixed with uh, Elon Musk over here helping the world out. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It just feels good. You it know? feels great. I mean, it's, it's, such a, it's such a touching thing to really, to get to get that from somebody to get a message from yeah. somebody like that and it's weird because i've never not until i got into recovery have i ever gotten messages from anybody regarding anything positive you know all my messages over instagram when i was drunk were like are you all right you know what i mean or <laughs> Me like too. are you sure are you okay like are you gonna fucking kill yourself you know or over facebook my dad would just text me like question marks mm-hmm. like there would you know i'd write some quote from a song that was really dark and sinister i remember writing it from um at the bottom of everything. Do you know that Connor Oberst song? No. It's a fucking great song. I still listen to this day. I can't sing it all the way through because I start crying because it's such a pretty song. But anyway, there's a line in it about his mother watering plants and his dad loading his gun and talking about death, bringing him back to God or something. And it was just this really profound thing to me. And so I wrote it on Facebook at 4.38 a.m. Mm-hmm. Fucking bourbon brained. And yeah, the next day, my dad's just like eight question marks was just his reply. Right? So now... I write these things I feel sincerely, like on Instagram, and I try not to use Instagram too much lately because it just bums me out. But the but, I feel like if I write these, I just write things that I'm really feeling in my heart, and then people will write me back and be like, "That's a good perspective." Just a positive, I get positive feedback from it that mm-hmm. isn't insincere, because I don't care about the insincere feedback. Like, you can tell me whatever, like, "Oh, this tattoo's great," or "Oh, you look good," or whatever, and those things feel good, but they're short. They're like really short lived. It's like eating Hershey's kisses, you know, like this is short, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of calories for nothing. Well, and I think that getting that, getting the positive feedback in this particular way for me and in, you know, in the aspect of recovery um, is it's sincere because I don't feel like anybody's asking anything from me. And I'm, I'm so used to being in that sort of defensive, scared uh, survival mode where if somebody's yeah. being kind to me, I gotta like I look them you know side of my eye like what do you want and what are you looking for and what is mm-hmm. your game and I've I've been like trained and taught to look out for everybody all the time because yeah they are going to take it from you whatever it is and this whole um, this feeling of scarcity and lack 
And, and then I look around now and I go, there's nothing lacking. I have everything I need. When I, when I start thinking about, well, if only I didn't have to do this and if only I didn't have to do that. And what if, you know, what would you do if you had a million dollars, John? And if I only had a million dollars, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. And you know, if I had a million dollars, I'd have to, there still would be things that would, there would be different things. There would be certain things that would be taken away, but I would still have to worry about shit. yeah. Yeah. You'd be trading up for better problems, but Maybe, there'd still be problems. There'd still be yeah. problems, but yeah. I don't in that in the aspect of recovery. Yeah, there's I'm, you know, I talked to this woman last night about it, and she's a um, she's a comedian down in L.A., and we had a great conversation. Um, her name's Janetta St. Clair, and the interview will be out in probably a couple weeks or something. But um, it was just great to talk, and there was no we just sat there and we just chatted, and it was. It's the only place where I feel when people are being honest, sincere. It's also the only place for somebody to be like, yeah, I haven't, you know, I, I lost my kids for nine years. Or they'll say some yeah. fucked up shit to you first thing Wild in the morning. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, fuck. I was just yeah. saying, hello, how are you? They're like, well, I'm having a real tough day. Fucking right. whatever, so on and so forth. And um, But it's the only place where it feels honest and sincere. And it's truthful. Yeah. You know, so it's really great to be able to talk to people about it and to be able to hear from people that some guy says he's nine months sober. It's like, I remember being nine months sober and wondering so if I was going to make yeah. it a year. Yeah. And now it's coming up on four and five years, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that is recovery in that aspect as far as has given me more self-worth. Um, yeah. It certainly feeds the ego, I think, to a certain extent. But I also know a little bit more about checking my ego and knowing when mm-hmm. that's not um that's not it's just it's not a good thing and knowing when it happens and going well slow down this is not about you yeah um and just being able to it's it's just the only it's the only genuine place in in my life when i go to work i don't it's not genuine when i yeah. have you know business and stuff like that it very rarely Mm-hmm. is it genuine is it and you mean just the whole experience of being in recovery being in recovery talking yeah. to other people doing, yeah doing mm-hmm. this with you i wouldn't i mean when i think about our friendship beforehand i don't i don't feel like we weren't close but we were always trying to squeeze something out of a situation not necessarily directly from you but it right. was always like well blah 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 such and such has got money and who's got this and we can get drinks and there was there right. was always mm-hmm. manipulation there was right. always some kind of manipulation and yes. even in my mind like okay well what can i get from jerry and i bet he'll do this tattoo and if i just kind of like let it slide and like he stayed yeah. at my house and he came up for a visit and all this stuff and like you know i won't have to pay him for it and so yeah. these these thoughts go through my head and whether or not you were interested in 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 charging me for a tattoo is beside the point, but no, that was always I, I my... didn't any. I, I wouldn't charge you for a tattoo. I did drunk in your living room on your couch. No, I don't think I did. I think you bought me a hamburger for it or something. You let me drink out of that bucket under the fucking kitchen table. That was my payment. It was that weird grog bucket that you're like, oh, this won an award at a drink party, and I'm like. What award did they give you? Are you sure? It just wasn't oh, it was like a too fucking note spicy. that said go home. Yeah. It was it was from a cocktail competition I did, and so I had a five gallon bucket half full of this like boozy cocktail, and we would just dip our glasses in it. Yeah, 
And I thought, oh, the worst Christmas party ever, right? It's and like we just thought dipping we were living, glasses in a We were like, this bowl. is amazing, man. The bucket underneath the kitchen table. This is Baboos. awesome. I was just Jerry, like, tattoo free. my leg. Do this complicated tattoo on my leg. I'm like, I can't even pronounce the word complicated. Let's do it. So there was, there was, but there was always a level of manipulation that I don't. Feel yes, now. absolutely. It was, you know what? It was a lot of like, what can we get from each other? It, it was, there was a lot of like, how can we make each other laugh too? I mean, mm-hmm. but there was, it was all, it was, it was sincere, but with Ben, with like, like conditions, you know? Yeah. It was as sincere as you can get when you share a hard drunk cry with someone. Do you know what I mean? And drunk mm-hmm. tears are weird, man. Drunk tears are not. I wouldn't say they're insincere, but they definitely don't carry the same weight as just stone cold, cope, sober fucking tear. You know, like those emotions come padded. They're very padded. And, and so we sh- we shared a lot during those years, and we got really close. But a lot of it was like us making each other laugh. Dude, my kid, mm-hmm. kind of related, unrelated, has gotten into the Simpsons, <laughs> and so I have the fourth, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and. Four through eight, I have all those seasons of The Simpsons, and we don't have cable anymore because we moved, and I'm like, we're getting rid of cable. We don't need it. We just need the internet. And so I turned it on one day, and she's hooked now. And, like, it just reminds me of, like, us and our relationship was, like, through The Smiths and The Simpsons yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And then even Megan was like, oh, your dad made me watch so many. He used to tape them off the TV on a VCR and cut all the commercials out. And it's just, it's just, I'm, t- I'm walking down that lane, seeing the old jokes there, you know, mm-hmm. from the times I was drinking too. And that's yeah. how dated we are, right? Like fifth season of Simpsons is when I was getting loaded, you know, like already. Dude. But yeah, just who shot Mr. Burns? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and my daughter sincerely is like, who shot him? And I'm like, well, keep well, watching, just keep dude. watching. You don't have to yeah, wait you'll... three months. Yeah. Oh. Not like I did. So. I, and so when we talk that I, I, when I ask you know, what do I ask you for? I'm like, Hey, can you do this little thing? Or can you do this thing? And we're talking about artwork and right. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I got on. you. Hold on. And, and then I do it. And you and do it. And it. you know, but, and, but you're always up front with me. You're like, well, I'm fucking busy. And, and honestly, yeah. I'm not busy and I'd like to keep it that way. So right. <laughs> uh, I'll get around to it maybe. And I'm like, that's fine. It's you. I'm asking you to do free artwork, which is not something that I, I, I don't ask you lightly and I understand that it's like now I'm going to give you a homework assignment and you're not going to get paid. Like I could be playing video games, dude. (laughs) So I could be playing not now, but yeah, yeah. Eventually when I get Um, everything set up, it's going to get wild in this house. And self-worth doesn't necessarily, it shouldn't for me come from other people's praise or adulation or is everything all right over there? Yeah, I saw something. I picked it up. I didn't know what it was. I dropped a penny, so that'll be on the podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, because self-worth, I need to find it within. So how do I find these things within? Well, um, I get up in the morning and I write in my notebook. And right. You I write it out. I write it out every single mm-hmm. day. And I end it with, I love you. I've been doing that for, I don't uh, know, like six or nine months or something now. Yeah. And I just scribble, I love you, and, you know. I don't even go back and read it, but it's just something that I write. Um, and the whole idea of like things like exercise and eating better and yeah. and these things that have – and I'll give you an example. Um, I haven't, I've hurt my foot, and I haven't been able to do any sort of exercise. And so I've been just kind of like feeling cooped up, and I can't really get out there, and I want to move, and I can't move because I'll hurt myself and so on and so forth. And it's, a, it's, been, it's, it's affected me a lot more than I thought. And so mm-hmm. I went to the drugstore today. And um, uh, 
I was getting like dryer sheets and ibuprofen and um, something else, you know, like the stuff you get at the drugstore. Mm-hmm. And I was walking by and there was this big bag and it said the sharing size, a big bag of peanut M&Ms. And in my mind, nice. it's like, nice. hello, darkness, my old friends. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And yep. I was thinking that used to be me. I would have bought, oh, two for six. I would get four, you know, because I'm going to, um, you know, if it came up in a conversation, well, I'm going to get, you know, everybody at the office really likes them. Right, that was always my line at the uh, at the grocery store. God, you're even lying to buy candy, <laughs> motherfucker! Oh my god, that is great. You're just but it's just a that. pillow. Is this your M M&M and M pillow? You just cut a slit <laughs> yeah. in the side and stick your tongue out to eat the M and M's. Yeah. So I know I'm, you. I'm lying to eat candy. I see you naked in front of me, man. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm lying to. God, get you're a fucking addict. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's it. True. It's true. And so I walked by and I was like, no, man, I'm, of course I'm not going to do that. I got, I got to get home. I got, mm-hmm. I got laundry to do and I don't have any dryer sheets and, and ibuprofen for my ankle. And, and so these, the way that we find, and that wasn't, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the, the way that I find self-worth has changed. And that wasn't self-worth for me. That was this sort of masking and covering and burying the, the hatred for a brief moment until I felt sick from eating too much candy. Yeah. And now I go, okay, I'm going to go for a run and it's going to make me feel good. Or I'm going to, I'm going to make my bed in the morning, which is something that I do now. Or I started lifting the weights more on a regular basis and start trying. And it's not easy, man. Like, no, to, I'm trying to create these habits and I know that I have to do it and not listen to myself and not listen to those voices in my head that say, fuck it, stay in bed. Right. You know, open that M&M pillow. Mm-hmm. You get in you there. sent me <laughs> yes. memory foam, <laughs> just... memory foam pillow, the marshmallow. Yeah, just oh. <laughs> yeah. M&M pillow. It's a I bag like of that. marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and dude, I talked about the ice cream too. So that was yeah. that was my thing. And well, you, it just, it just blows me away. And I was uh, no, funny. well, no, I just you you sent me that song, and I hadn't, I never really listened to too much Kendrick Lamar. I think I tried to listen to the butterfly album and uh-huh and um how you gotta start with good kid mad city mad it's such a dope album uh, anyway go ahead and you sent me that song i and the whole the whole gist of the song is i love myself yeah and i remember you telling me like i really like myself and i and this is this is whenever a year or so ago it was a while ago yeah and you're saying i don't know if i love myself yet but i really like myself more and yeah and it was shocking to hear that from you yeah because I have known you for so long to be so self-loathing in, in you know, in active alcohol, alcoholism. Yeah. I fucking hated that guy. <laughs> right? I and, did. I mean, I really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what are the things, what are the things that you do now to find self-worth in yourself? In, it's uh, weird, man, because it comes self-worth in myself. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. edit that out too, man. Mm-hmm. We'll just fill up DeFranco and just mm-hmm. quick. We don't even breathe. Bam, just bam, bam. Bam, bam. But bam, bam. But um, I don't, I don't, I, I work out. I take care of myself. You know, I try to work out every day. It's not, and it wasn't a quick thing. It's always so slow. That's the one thing about recovery, right? That they kind of, I think they don't portray very well in media is that they always make it out like, oh, he's 30 days sober. He's got it figured out. And the guy just comes out like Robert Downey Jr. Like, I'm not falling asleep in strangers' houses anymore. You mm-hmm. know, I got it. I'm Iron Man now. It took him a while. It takes all of us a while. It takes a long time. And it came on very slowly for me to even fucking look at myself in a mirror without hating myself. But 
I just I take care of myself now. I, I regard myself more. You know, I advocate for myself more. I those things that give me self worth is I look at my wife and my dog. I mean, it's so funny that my family is this big thing now. I mean, it always has been. I would always then the core base of me always knew like I need to help out and be part of this and be you know mm -hmm. active in this, but. More so even now, like they provide me, maybe it's selfish, they provide me the ton of self-worth. Like I look at my daughter and her sense of humor and I'm like, damn, I did that. I mean, of course she's doing it herself too, but she's picking up from my cues, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, I look mm -hmm. at my wife and I see her strength and I'm like, man, like that's rad. I can feed off of that and use that strength and that, um, you know, that uh, ambition of hers, you know, to, to kind of nurture me as a person, you know, but you know, it's a hard, it's a weird question for me to answer because it's not, I don't think of it consciously like I'm doing this for my self-worth. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But even looking at my, we were talking earlier about losing weight and like having that, still carrying that dysmorphia of looking at yourself differently than you are because your brain projects the image of what you think you are instead of what you actually are. It's like hearing your own voice. I, like when I listen to these podcasts and I'm like, fuck, my voice is really high. I thought I had this deep, beautiful, silky baritone and I just, you know, I sound like a kid who just hit puberty, even in my 40s. It's this perception of what you are because you're kind of trapped inside of your own cage, you know, your own logic cage. So I don't do these things consciously to help myself. I just do them because they feel good and they're sincere. Then I notice they're more sincere now. Mm. And I can't say like, oh, quitting drinking <laughs> fixed everything. It wasn't just that. It was like quitting drinking and... And it wasn't even just, you know, going into 12-step program too. You know, I read that thing that Mishka wrote and it was really interesting. You know, he was saying like, you can't really look at other people who aren't doing it the way you're doing it and judge them for that. That's culty. Like we all have our own way, you know, and, and mm -hmm. me going into 12-step was a tool. Yeah. That's all it is to me is this, this tool to learn how to cope with life the way that I should be coping with life, you know, and using these things to provide myself with self-worth, you know. And gratitude is another one too. I'm not. I I have to kill all my entitlement, and that makes me feel like I'm worth things. Which is funny because isn't entitlement like the basis of, of I'm, self I'm worth this. Entitlement I is actually is, it's I deserve low self wealth. Yes, self yeah, I deserve. That's mm -hmm. the, and I don't deserve anything. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't. Well, you deserve just, love, Jerry. You deserve. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I, we've done this on the podcast before. We've been like, <laughs> I don't deserve anything. You always say you deserve love. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, but do I really? I mean, you know. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't deserve to be coddled or have my feelings regarded as far as like someone else being able to express themselves towards me, you know. And if my feelings get hurt or I'm offended, I'll be like, fuck you, Jack. Go eat a dick or whatever, you know, like I don't. But I guess you if can't your name, tell If your name is dick. Jack, that wasn't directed toward you. No, that I meant the more 70s yes. slang, like yes. Fritz the Cat. Fuck you, Jack. Like that weird itchy and scratchy episode yes. from the 70s where he's like, Hey, mama, can I get next to you? <laughs> See, I have been watching The Simpsons. <laughs> so self-worth is a funny thing for me, right? Because I don't think of it consciously. I mean, I guess that's it. It's just I try to take care of myself. I try to give myself breaks and not be so hard on myself. Because I'm not the center of the universe. I don't know everything. I'm going to fuck things up constantly. Mm -hmm. And if I beat myself up for it, if I tell myself that I'm less than, then I'm going to believe that. And so all my actions will be fucking tainted by that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, man. When you say you're going to fuck things up constantly, I think about this a lot too because a lot of the <clears> – <throat> 
a lot of the art projects I've been working on require me to learn new skills and to learn right. learn like whether it be a software program or um, how to figure out. There's always these constant problem solvings and I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah. so the only way I can that I can learn is to just go in there and make the mistake and to to screw it up and then fix it and screw it up and then fix it. And I find that and I always want it to be perfect and I'm learning more and more that the fact that I'm going to screw things up is just the way it is and it's just the way that it goes in learning these things. And, yes. And being better to the point where now I've gotten to the point where certain certain things that would take me a long time are now like click, 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 click. Oh, do this, do this, write this out, done, boom. And now it's done. And yeah. you go like, oh, that I don't know why that ever took me so long. Well, because you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know what you're doing. Exactly. You had little kid hands and little mm -hmm. kid's brain. Yeah. I tell us to Olive all the time. How can you, Dad, how can you draw eyes so good? I can't draw eyes at all. And I'm like, you have little kid hands and little kid's brain. You're going to have to screw up all your eyes at first until you figure it out. That's just the way it is. I got sober and I had little kid hands and brain. I had to learn how to live like, I don't know, I hate the word normal. I hate the word typical. I just had to learn how to live a life that would make me not feel like I was on fire constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, you know, my, my default is always say I had to learn a normal life, but that's undefinable. But I had these little kid hands and brains right when I first got, I still do, man. I have adolescent hand and brains now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they just tremble a little, you know, like mm -hmm. I feel a little more sure. And, but then like an adolescent, sometimes I feel a little too sure. And then I get schooled and have to check myself again and be yeah. like, what did I learn? What do we learn? You know, I tell it to all of all time. Well, what'd you learn? You know, you learn that you, it's going to take you a while to learn how to draw an eye. You just won't figure it out overnight. Just like it's going to take me a little while to fucking pay taxes or whatever it is an adult is supposed to do, you right. know, or, you know, yeah. fucking not snap at everyone, you know. Yes, I love, Which I love doing, man. It's it's. I love the idea of the little kid's hands and the little kid's eyes, and it's just yeah. that's. It's just a sign of my inexperience. It's exactly. not anything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And inexperience is not something that I. Um, it, it's not a it's not a defect. No, because over time, then you gain I, experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that's made it a lot is... easier. What? Go ahead. No, well, it, being inexperienced gives you the potential to learn experience. Now, mm -hmm. if you've already learned that experience, you keep making that same mistake and you haven't learned. You know what I mean? That's a whole different. I don't know what that word is. But when they say, oh, that person's inexperienced, it's not negative necessarily because that person has the potential mm -hmm. to learn from that experience, to, to learn the experience, you know, which I think deep, man, which which relating that to being inexperienced in recovery, because mm -hmm. even at this point, at me coming on four years, I would still call it very much. There's a lot of inexperience because word, yeah, mm -hmm. because I didn't plow right through my program, and there's still Neither things I. that I, you know, deal with that are unresolved with my father. That for whatever reason, I just kind of, you know, throw in the back in the closet and box it up and in, in my brain and and don't think about it. And you know, things that I that I just don't want to think about. And right. I suppose at a certain point I will have to, or I mean, I guess I never will have to, but I know that I now know that, that w when I have dealt with issues in the past, I have felt better. So if I continue to hit that roadblock, it's like, well, do you want to feel better? 
and it, and if I don't, then I guess I won't. But I feel like at some point I will want to feel even better and go, wow, yeah. I want to know the full potential of my ability to be happy and healthy and all that stuff. So, right. which if you had known me five years ago, you'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? Yeah, well, you this, this wild, sweaty man <laughs> in a wife beater just sweating <laughs> through a suit, sweating mm-hmm. through a suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the old job. Every time I drew you, you were sweating. I was very sweaty. It was very big yeah. and very sweaty. It was always hot. I was sweaty, was too. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why I drew you sweaty, because I was sweaty, too. So Game recognized game, dude. You know? <laughs> so being being inexperienced in in sobriety and in recovery it doesn't it doesn't mean that i was that i was bad at it it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that i was i was not going to be able to be better at it it doesn't mean that life uh wasn't going to get better it just meant yeah. that i was at a certain step and uh, the thing i also when i listen to other people and i meet people who are in their 60s who just yeah. got sober and um, a one guy that I know um, tells a story about how he was in a um, he was in he was he had gotten sober and he was going to talk to a group of juvenile delinquents and people. And I don't remember the institution that he was going to, but these kids were all very young, some mm-hmm. of them in their early 20s. And they were all sitting around and he was sharing his story about how he got sober and he was like 66 years old or something. <clears throat> and the young kid at 22 is like. Jesus, why did you get sober? You were so close to dying anyway. You might as well just... In... <laughs> and, <laughs> and, Sorry, and no, great. no, and that's... And it, gets, it, it got a big laugh. And But the kid at 22 is still thinking, like, drinking is the way to go. Yeah. Being hammered all the time is the way to go. Why waste yeah. Why waste getting sober if you're, if you're already old and it's already over? And the gentleman who was telling me this story... You just see this. I've never seen somebody who three years on is still in this big pink cloud, and he's just so he loves it. And he's like, I don't plan on this stopping. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop it. I'm gonna keep doing the things that make me elated to be sober and be here and be joyous and be free. And if I yeah. keep doing those things, then 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 it's not gonna stop, and it hasn't. And so I I'm confident that even at 66, he's he's not gonna stop being excited to be sober. And I'm, I don't plan on stopping to try and understand and learn. And mine is much more analytical and wanting to be suspicious and investigative, you know? Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But every day it's like, it, oh, this feels good. Taking care of myself, holding, holding myself accountable for things. And, mm-hmm. you know, what was the word you used? Um, just caring for yourself. Yeah. But, and I've never done that before. Nah. I've done the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> You like beat yourself up every day. It was like boxing match, you know, mm-hmm. but except you rolled in with a tire iron, you know, I did the same thing. Just taking care of myself, like getting up early, like, and you don't have to get up early. You don't have to do anything I do. I just, mm-hmm. I love getting up early. Even if I'm alone, I'm completely alone. My wife doesn't even get up till about 630. I get up at like 546, oh, 6 a.m. And I'll just sit out there with a cup of coffee. Like, I used to watch the news, right? And just, what's the weather going to be like today? I'm 44. That's interesting to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but it's it's nice. It's nice to be out there in the quiet in the world before the world wakes up. I love it. And that's what I, when I wrote graffiti in my teens, that was one of my favorite things is to be out there at four in the morning 
writing graffiti because the world was there was nothing it was just it's all mine right now and so i feel like that now in a positive way i'm not destroying people's shit you know i'm just out there having a cup of coffee or whatever it's those little things that make you feel good that aren't gonna fuck your life up like i i it's funny Mm -hmm. because today i always tell my counter guy i'm like go to the store and get me a tall boy and he always gets me a tall can of coke zero which is bad for me it's like you and your m&ms right like i'll drink like three coke zeros in a day on a bad day i'm like crack it open and it's like my replacement you know Mm -hmm. so i'm always like yo seth go get me a tall boy and he always laughs and he brings me back this giant Mm -hmm. it's like a 16 ounce coke zero and then the other day or today he's like yo i can go get you a tall boy a modello if you want one i'm like i can't drink modellos he's like He's like, why? And I'm like, because I fuck my life up every time I drink of it. And then he started, because he knows how I am. You know, mm-hmm. like, it comes up in conversation. Like, yeah, I'm a fucking raging alcoholic, dude. That's why I don't drink, because I'm a fucking shit show when I do, you know. But that conversation between us back and forth was just so funny, because he's like, I'm like, I can't drink those. <laughs> you know, like, at this point, it's not even like this <clears throat> fucking uh, uh, dramatic thing, you know, to me anymore. And I still have to regard it very carefully. But in my mind now, it's like I can't do that because I fuck everything up when I do that. So mm-hmm. I need to shelve that shit and learn how to live life without depending on that shit. Do Just you? depending on it, bro. Yeah. yeah, right. Using it as the crutch, the crutch in the corner. The crutch in the corner, like my old man says, right? I mean, even that brings new meaning to me, you know, even just right now in context now. I'm like, oh, right, exactly. That crutch, you're depending on it. Do you know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you've talked about dealing with depression in the past. Do you find yeah. do you find it to be um, something that still plagues you? Yes and daily? no, right? So it's no, uh, no, yes and no. It's really weird. I am a, I have a depressive attitude at times, and I will get depressed, but not for as long as periods of times as when I drank. And I really do think it was a chemical. It was more of a body chemical thing. This is me playing like fucking, you know, a doctor. I don't know. Sure. I'd have to go to a doctor, but I mean, Which I was diagnosed you feel. with it. Yeah, but I feel like when it depression does come on, it's usually very short-lived. I mean, it can last from six hours to maybe two days, whereas before I would be depressed for like a month. And it wasn't just like, I'm sad. Oh, I'm sad. You know, like it was... Physically, I could feel it. I could feel my. I felt like my body was being poisoned, like I was mm-hmm. being leached. It's the same as when I get really pissed off and I'm really mean to someone. I feel it, like immediately feel like I'm being poisoned. Like I feel like it's venom inside of me. And the, the depression felt like a depress. Well, a depressant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so I think not only quitting drinking, but taking care of myself more and, and flooding my brain with better chemicals. You know what I mean? Like as far as taking care of myself has helped me out a lot. And I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't fuck with psychedelics. I don't smoke weed. I don't do anything. I'm like com- completely sober. I'm trying to think other than caffeine and you drink, nicotine. You drink whole milk? No, I can't because <laughs> no. I'm lactose intolerant, dude, and I fart a lot, man, already. I'm clearing out this podcast room. You don't even know. So me with whole milk, man, I'd be just – I'd probably just be like S's for shitting myself. So. Um, You drink that whole milk? No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all nut milk. I'm, yeah, I'm, if I'm, I bet you fuck with that nut milk, dog. I drink uh, almond milk. I yeah. drink, uh, yeah, unsweetened vanilla almond milk. I love it. Unsweetened, um, though. So so this, and this is something that I hear time and time and time again, and you talk about your depression being short-lived. 
yeah. um, nowadays versus when you were drinking and, and also taking care of yourself is that action dictates mood and it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I found this to be absolutely true that if I wait for me to get in the mood to get up and go and, and go for a run or go exercise or do anything to go even sit in the other room and and write, I will I will never be in the mood. Rarely right. will I ever just right. will I be have this epiphany and this like beautiful moment of I am awake and ready to do the things that make me happy. And it's always yeah. the other way around that when I go out there and I do the run and even in the first like three quarters of a mile, I'm just like, oh, this is fucking bullshit, and my legs. Yeah, why am I? This is stupid. Why am I doing feels this? Stiff, and it's not like I'm uh, gonna have a beauty contest. This is dumb. Right? Yeah, exactly. I tell all myself that in my walks. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and then all of a sudden it kind of it's almost like it opens up a little bit, and I feel a little bit loose, and and then I come back from it, and I'm like, oh man, now I'm excited to do these things that I've been putting off and putting off and putting off. Or if I don't get the writing in in the morning, which happens sometimes, usually I'm very good about it. It's in the back of my head all day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you got to find a place. Now I'm at work and now I can't, I can't write my pages while I'm at work. I'm I'm at work. And now it's like 11 o'clock at night and 1130 and now it's midnight and it's past the time. And now I got to write my pages before and it's awful. Yeah. So I find that the action dictates my mood. It sets... And this, I hear this all the time, and I think I hear it all the time because it's it's true, <laughs> is that what the the way that you set up your morning is that it dictates the rest of the day. Yes. Right. Yeah, uh, I think so. In the way it starts. Yeah, but you can overcome it too, though. Depends. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But I I I I need to I need to have those things like done in the morning so I can go. Okay, what what does the day hold for me? What what do I have to do? What errands do I have to run? What is mm-hmm. what is my work week look like? And all those kinds of things. So yeah, and the last and even the last couple of days, I haven't been really really been able to move and do these things. And I've been kind of like trying to do some different stretches and maybe lift a few more weight weights and whatever. And and I feel definitely this sort of like eh, that's all right. But not allowing myself to fall into the trap of. I'll do it when I feel like doing it because I never feel like right. doing it. No, neither do I. And especially with the taking it, – it is a good analogy for taking care of yourself mentally is taking care of yourself physically because mm-hmm. there are a lot of days where I'm like, I don't want to fucking do cleaning presses and tape presses and all these stupid weightlifting <laughs> things that I learned from YouTube. I don't want to do any of that shit, but I still do it. Like I just, I just fucking – do it. I even have an outfit. I change outfits to work out in. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like I'll change out of my pajamas because it feels more like I'm doing it. You know, I'll put on shoes and put on workout pants and like get all my shit together and do it every lately. Not as much because I've been moving. Mm-hmm. Seeing here I am justifying it to myself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like getting prepared to do it helps out a lot too for me personally, even not just physically, but emotionally preparing myself going, OK, this is where I sit. Or, the, or I walk and I think and I walk. You know, oh, I gotta, I gotta think this one out. I'm gonna walk a quarter mile or a mile or whatever. It's different for everybody though. But I feel mm-hmm. like preparing to do it helps you do it as well. But you just gotta do it. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, just gotta do it. I think if I, I know that if I just applied the tools that I use to go from to get sober, to mm-hmm. say, this idea that. 
um, dealing with, you know, dealing with my dad, the issues with my dad. And one of the things that I have been talking about forever is, you know, you write a letter to your father who my, my father's no longer with us. He passed and you write a letter and you tell that person, you know, I, I would tell my dad everything that I felt. And then yeah. even if I wanted to put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and mail it to whatever the last address I have for him. Um, if I would just use those tools that I had to get sober, apply it to the other things, I would probably be more on my way to unpacking and possibly throwing away or letting go of those things. And, yeah. um, so, you know, once, once getting, so getting sober doesn't necessarily, it didn't mean for me that I was cured. Um, no. and I wonder if, and when I will do that. Probably know. not. <laughs> Probably not. No. Maybe, it's, maybe it, not. Sometimes I hope I'm not, though, because working on it is fucking sucks. But sometimes working on it provides me fulfillment. I don't think there's ever a day where I want to be completely fixed. Because then if I don't, if I don't have that to work on, then what the fuck do I do? That's like retiring. I'm just walking around, just not knowing what you know. Like when old mm -hmm. people retire and they get depressed, you know, like. If you don't, I can't fix you don't want to my... retire from fixing yourself? No. Uh -uh, <clears throat> no uh -uh. I don't think there's I any... I really don't. There isn't, though. It's impossible. If I figure it all out, then I'm writing a book. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. next. Then I'm picking I, I it all back up and going <laughs> fucking wild. I don't think there's going to be any shortage of, of issues and problems. No. <clears throat> you know, we, we, as, we as alcoholics, you and I tend to uh, create new ones every day. Hell yeah. With, <laughs> with new gusto. People. Yes, with, new resentments. With, with, mad enthusiasm dude yeah um but yeah it's i uh i think i don't know man i just uh i i just know there's still there's like this long road ahead right and i mm -hmm. listen to people who who have been sober for decades who still struggle with things and so i i and, and that more and more it just comes to it being this human issue it's just a it's what human beings it's, it it's really what, is I, I think the benefit we have is that we walk through a bunch of shit to get to level playing ground so we can look back and go fuck well at least it's not that bad anymore mm -hmm. i honestly do i feel actually really lucky that i went it sounds really crazy but i feel really lucky that I had the hardest times of my life and realized that they were the hardest times of my life and came out of it alive. And so now when it's bad, I can always, even in this move, I can always look at my wife and be like, we've moved in a lot worse conditions than this. And we lived in a lot worse than this. And I've been through so much more worse than this, you know? Yeah. So I can do this. If I can do that, I can do this, you know? It's almost like, I can't think of a good analogy other than it's almost like having leukemia and then coming out of the leukemia and then getting like a splinter in your hand. You know, right. you're like, well, I fucking straight up had leukemia and I got through that so I can get through a fish hook through my finger or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So so I, I'm grateful for it. I'm yeah. super fucking lucky that I was a giant fucking drunk and I still am. Amen. Except I'm sober. Amen. Mm -hmm. Do you think you're going to go through any of those boxes and toss anything? Or is it all, God, is it all dude, staying? the minute my wife leaves town, I'm throwing so much <laughs> shit away, dude. Yeah, I'm going. I actually, I have thrown shit away. Actually, it's not me. I let everything go. I'll throw everything away. I'll and this, throw this friendship well, see, away. This is <laughs> this was going to be my this was my initial um, 
my my thought was that what I found interesting was that I have got to the point where I get rid of stuff all the time. And yeah. it used to be the other way around where I would keep a bunch of stuff. And I remember you just tossing things. Yeah. And now I see you packing up all this stuff and moving with it. And I'm like, I can't wait to get rid of this and this and this. Well, I can't, I can't throw it because it oh, makes her sad. I see. And I so love her, is, and I don't want her to be like, I, I got What you. the fuck, dude? My grandfather carried that fucking dresser over on his back from the old country, which is Idaho, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> the dresser's falling apart. It's an antique. No, it's broken. Everything about it is broken. It's only an antique if like it works as a dresser. Now it's just firewood. Like it's gotta go, dude. But. I don't know, man. I mean, that's her own personal. Maybe I should get her on the podcast to talk to you about hoarding her stuff. (laughs) And the hoarding is an exaggeration. Exactly. Because I know, once again, I'm not trying to be dick. I know people out there hoard stuff. But I guess I am kind of trying to be a dick a little bit because it's kind of funny to Mm -hmm. say some crazy shit like that. But, But, yeah. She's uh she's she's not there. Yo, dude, I got a stool, like a plastic stool back here that her mom, when her mom was living with us, she broke her leg, so she had to sit on the stool in the mm-hmm. shower. I got that shit. It's right there. Okay, so like that was like again. three fucking years ago, dude. Well, someone might break their leg again. I'm like, yeah, probably. We'll just hose them off in the yard, dude. <laughs> that might be you. <laughs> it might be me, which I welcome the hosing. I broke one leg. I can break the other one. You know? I no, I, you know what? I want to take that back. I don't want to break the other no. one. That was awful. No. no. You would have thought that would have been the rock bottom, right? We were talking about this concept of rock bottom, too. And yeah. like everybody always thinks, non-alcoholics always think, oh, it must have been one big event. And I'm like, no, I'll pick a bottom. I had mm-hmm. tons of them. Yeah. I just decided one day this I'm done, I'm done having bottoms. I'm done. No more fat bottom girls. No for more me, fat man. bottom girls. Yeah. Um, well, I hope that there's some of those boxes and you're able to let go of some of the things that you have carried around for a very me long too. time. Me too. Me too. Both. I'm gonna t- as soon as I stop this podcast, I'm walking out there and being like, John says we got to get rid of all this shit. Do you? Does it spark your joy? Yeah, none of it. I feel no, no joy in this room right now. Well, I do talking to you, but yes, this is her stuff, though. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to throw her stuff away. But. No, well, we'll do the next one from the garage where it's full of my shit, and I'll be yeah. like, are you sure? Are you get sure? rid of this mannequin head that you and I found in a dumpster in 1998. Are you sure. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>